Let's bow our heads and talk to the Lord for a moment. We've been singing to him and uh, singing about him. Walk amongst us, Lord Jesus, this morning. Give us the genuine sense, one by one by one, as you come and meet with us, each one of us, one by one. Give us that sense of your personal care and attention, that you love us, that you have a plan for our lives, that you know our hearts and minds and where we are, each one of us. Where on the one hand we're rebelling against you and almost simultaneously sometimes having the great desire to please you and do something of consequence for you. As we consider Samson and his great failings, point out to us how desperately we need you, Lord, that apart from you, we are unable to please you, unable to do the great things we want to do, that you call us to do, without you, Lord, to leave behind the misery of our sin and failure. We are looking to you, Lord. And as you come to us, Please, Lord, in your mercy, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. And please, Lord, take our hearts and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Well, in dealing with the profiles, and as you walk in here, I don't know if you've sort of put two and two together... You've got all these profiles across the front of our platform here. And we're looking at Old Testament characters learning from the past about how we in our day and age can uh, make good use of the lessons to be learned. And when you come to Samson, what you learn is how not to do it. Almost step by step how not to do it. There's hardly a good thing you can say about Samson. And yet he was born, and I want to encourage you, because as Jared said, Pastor Jared, we don't have time to tell you the whole story. It's a big temptation. Us preachers fight against having to tell you everything. We can't tell you everything in one half hour. How many have I got? 26 minutes and 17 seconds as I'm looking to the clock here. (laughs) But if you will go and uh, sometime today or this week, read chapters 13 through 16. So that's four chapters. 13, 14, 15, 16. Sounds like three, but it's four chapters. In Judges, what you will get there is the story of Samson from God coming to his mother who had no children and longed for a child and promised her Samson and that he would be anointed in the womb and from the womb and for all his life be something called a Nazarite. In the book of Numbers it describes what the Nazarite is. It's a special order of people devoted to the Lord. So Samson was conceived and born 
to be devoted to the Lord. And the four things, no alcohol, no wine, no strong drink, ever. Number two, not to have his hair shaved. Samson must have looked a mess. Somebody told me this week I need my hair cut. I thought, well, yeah, I guess I do. But since I'm going to be with all the cool people at the third service, I'll let it grow a little bit longer. So keep your, so Samson had hair upon hair upon hair. I mean, he made the, uh, the guys down south, uh, the bearded wonders, look like they were clean cut in comparison to what he must have looked like. Thirdly, that he would be unable, unwilling, against any of his lifestyle, to touch anything dead, not to be corrupted. Death is a symbol for corruption. And he was to be absolutely disconnected from that corruption. So that was his deal. Long hair, no drink, don't defile yourself with anything that's dead. And boy, did he get into trouble. And I'll tell you where it started, with a woman, a beautiful woman, that he saw and fell in love with. But she was a Philistine, and the Philistines were the deadly opponents of God's people. When you come to the book of Judges, let me just step back a second here. You're in a period of history between Joshua going in to take the promised land, Joshua dies, and before you have the kings, Saul and David being the first. There's a period of time there when the country was led as best it could be by a group of people, one at a time, called judges. It wasn't that they were like officials of the court, They were charismatic leaders who, for one reason or another, assumed leadership, anointed leadership. Some big names come out of this this book of Judges. Deborah was one of those judges. Gideon was one of those judges. Samson was one of those judges. And actually, when you get to the book of Samuel, you find that he was the last of the judges. Though a prophet, also considered to be one of these charismatic leaders. And he was the one through whom God called the first king, Saul, and the second king, David. Samuel, the recognized, acknowledged leader. So in that period of time, there was such chaos with Israel, the chosen people in the promised land, inherited the promised land, going through these huge rebellions against God, God bringing judgment, their repenting, having a time of peace and consolidation, and then falling into sin and great rebellion. These are the sweeping statements, and the chaos was so great from time to time that you've got that very famous statement where it says that every man did what was right in his own eyes. That comes from the book of Judges. 
And we live in a similar day in so many ways where everybody is about their own business to do whatever they think is right, subjectively, personally, choosing their options without any sense of objective truth, each one doing what's right in his own eyes, pleasing him or herself. And we're learning our own lessons here as we watch what's going on in our nation. But when you come back to Samson, he married into the opposition. He went to his parents and they negotiated a deal and he married that woman. And it didn't last long. He ends up in his braggadocious way, Samson, gambling over a riddle that he set. When he went down to meet that girl, he was attacked by a lion. And physically, because his great gift was strength, physically he taught, he killed the lion. Physically, with his own bare hands. It's almost unimaginable. That's how strong he was. That lion decayed. Some bees came and nested in the carcass. There's honey in the carcass. And his, he's into step number two now. He's after the woman. He's killed the lion on the way to the woman. Coming back, he runs into the carcass and these bees have nested in there. And he scoops his hand in there. Now he's touching dead flesh, going after the honey. And he actually gives a handful of that honey to his parents when he gets home. But it says he didn't tell them where he got it from because he was touching the dead thing. But he was always or already on his way into trouble pursuing this woman, the Philistine. You remember the Philistines were the great opponents who, when it came to Saul, they intimidated him. And then David, little boy David, takes on Goliath, biggest Philistine of them all. That's later history. Same battle at the time that we're looking at with Samson. And he marries a Philistine. Gambles on a riddle, very famous one. Out of the eater came food to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. I have to just stop and tell you this. This is like a little sideline. We have in England... I say that like I'm still an Englishman. I've become an American. We have in England a syrup, sweet, sweet syrup that you can buy, made by Tate and Lyle. It's called golden syrup. It comes in a can, and the symbol on the front of that can, I have one of those cans. It's legendary to kids who, you know the way you put syrup on pancakes? We put Tate and Lyle's golden syrup on our pancakes, on our oatmeal. It's phenomenal. I think you can get it in the USA, but it's very expensive. But on the front is a dead lion with bees hovering around it. For years and years and years, out of strength came the sweetness. He took that scoop of honey, ate it for himself, gave it to his mum and dad, but did not. The scripture says this. You read, you read those chapters. He didn't tell them where he got it from because he knew he was wrong. 
But I'll tell you this, he wouldn't have run into the lion if he hadn't been running after the woman. One thing leads to another. Here's the deal about sin. It always takes you further than you want to go. You think you can get away with this little bit of sin or that little bit of sin. It always takes you further than you want to go, keeps you there longer than you want to stay, and makes you pay a price you don't want to pay. I know you all know the truth of each of those statements. When you sin, you end up going further than you want to go. It takes you further than you want to. Keeps you there longer than you want to stay. You don't just break. It's not that simple. And you end up paying a price you never want to pay. Samson was on his way. He ends up having to slaughter a whole bunch of people coming out of the distress that he's just described because he loses the gamble. Guess what? The Philistine wife, his beautiful wife, betrays him, finds out what the meaning of the riddle is, tells the opposition, and he gets himself into one fierce fight. The whole thing is just bad news. One thing after another just leads him right down the path, loses his wife, ends up in one place with a prostitute, all in these few chapters. Then he meets Delilah. Now there's a name. Who would ever name their child Delilah today? On account of this Delilah. Maybe a Samson, never Delilah. Remember Tom Jones' song, song, Delilah. Man, some of you don't even know who Tom Jones was. (laughs) In fact, I picked up a song. We were driving out west, my family and I. Again, this is just an aside. Driving out west on our big western trip. So we're in Wyoming and Colorado and places like that. Going to this town that didn't even have a traffic light to get gasoline. It was like a one-horse town along the road. And they had these cheap, inexpensive tapes before CDs in a rack. And there was Tom Jones. <laughs> and I thought, I get that. I'll entertain myself. And the first song, I went, oh, Delilah. And my girl, I got four daughters. We're all in the car. And they're hearing Tom Jones sing about Delilah. She was a nasty piece of work, too. And he wasn't singing about this one. In any... <laughs> Who said that? (laughs) Here's the deal. He ends up marrying Delilah. And she betrays him. You'd think he'd learn from the first woman. Delilah's a Philistine. What is it with us getting hooked on Philistines? And she betrays him. And you heard the account of her seeing from him bewailing the fact that he wouldn't tell her all about who he was and where his strength came from. Finally, he tells her, I haven't ever cut my hair. If I would have my hair cut, I'd lose my strength. And she lets him sleep in her lap, calls in the guy, clips off his braids. Then the Philistines come in after him, and he is as weak as any normal man. And the price he paid 
they gouged out his eyes. I don't know what Delilah ever thought of herself beyond this point. But right there and then, they just gouged out his eyes and led him captive. Takes you further than you want to go. Keeps you longer than you want to stay. And you pay a price that you never wanted to pay. It's the story of Samson. So here he is now held captive. They have him grinding corn. Chained to the thing that you keep walking around, grinding and grinding and grinding. But his hair grows back. And he deals with the Lord. And he starts talking to the Lord. And he comes back to the Lord. And he says, give me my moment, Lord. And they end up throwing a big party to the god Dagon. And they bring out Samson as major entertainment. And since he was such a, an individual problem to the Philistines, because they could never kill him, they could never take him captive, he was just so strong. And they bring him out and make fun of him. He is the entertainment. He is the demonstration that the god Dagon is the big god and they have conquered Samson, who represents Israel, and the God of Israel. Samson asked them to place him between two pillars. Several thousand people at this party. Massive, castle-like mansion. And they place him between these two pillars. And with his strength, he pushes out those pillars. And the whole house comes tumbling down. And several thousand die, including Samson. The message for us, two of them. First is this. I am so glad that I live in the age of the gospel of grace and Jesus. And the power of the Spirit living in us. But with that, note this. That Samson was born to be a man of God. He was given to be the answer to the Philistine problem, not get wed to it. He was born to be a leader and lead Israel into righteousness. And God's gifts can be taken and abused, and often are, by people who are very, very gifted by God, with whether it's talent, mind, personality, to be able to, as I am, to stand and speak. How God uses me when I speak is a gift from him. It's not me, it's him. Over the years, and I, I, I've, I've weighed whether I should say this or not, over the years, people have been so cautious of how God uses me that they haven't want to get too dependent or connected to me because they figure it's all ego. It's all about me. That anybody who can have, and I can't tell you all the successes I've had, had the ministry blessings I've had, must be so strong in his ego and so full of himself. And so they're always cautious, skeptical, and looking for any flat side. And I've got my cracks in the mortar. And they're right to be suspicious because you and I know very famous Christian leaders who end up in deep, deep trouble 
whether they're on television, radio, or running big churches, they are in the news almost regularly. They're blessed by God. They've been given gifts by God that they can minister great ministries for God and they fall into sin. And part of their problem is that the gift that God has given to them, they abuse and use for their own ends rather than his. Samson was such a man. So as I prayed at the beginning, apart from Jesus, we can't hold it all together. And across the space of my life, my first great disappointment, a man that I went to seminary with was the most brilliant guy, he probably still is, that I have ever met. Graduate of Cambridge University. Photographic memory. When we did exams, he would walk out three quarters of the way through the exam, finished, and get 100% was ordained. I went to visit him in England after his ordination. I'd been to America, went back to England, went to visit with him. He got himself involved with a woman sexually before they were married. He ends up marrying her because he got her pregnant and she was not a lover of Jesus. So can you imagine walking into that guy's home that I'd spent three years with in theological school in England, my closest friend in the school, and he takes me to one side and says, look, my wife and I are not on the same page. We're living together as husband and wife, but I don't love her and she doesn't love me and we've got these children now. And he's a pastor. We are living in a sex-saturated society. Every song, nearly, everything you see on TV, what you hear about the stars and the, the athletes, listening to the news about one athlete who's had like eight kids with six different women, and he's paying them all alimony. Well, support. He hasn't married any of them. And we hear that, and our kids are growing up with it. And sad to say, Christians are saying they love Jesus and they're shacking up. Whether they're older Christians who are just living conveniently to avoid taxes, or younger Christians who think, well, everybody's doing it. It's a killer. Book written by a Christian male leader saying, it's man's, the man's great battle, his greatest battle is the sex battle. Samson is exhibit A. All that he could have done for the Lord. One bad relationship after another. He ends up blinded and grinding corn. So when I say I am so glad I live in the age of Jesus. I'm saying that to a group of people here. Mostly I presume know and love Jesus. But do not take any gift that he's given for you. Or to you. To use. Be very, very careful. The more gifted you are, the more danger you're in. You've got a gifted personality. You've got talent. Maybe good looks. Give it to the Lord. Stay close to him. Apart from him, you're never going to hold it together.
That's real. That's the reason I tell you about Christians. I know who are great Christians who've done stupid things. And invariably, it's about women if it's a guy. It's about guys if they're women. Second thing is this. When you blow it and you come back to the Lord, God can act you. This is not a reason to go blow it. But God can take your bad, ruinous decision and behavior and redeem it in such a way as to bring in some unbelievable way blessing to others. Because as God redeems you, you can go speak to others about their need. You have credibility if you're redeemed. You lose your credibility when you sin. But there is a credibility that if you're willing to repent and come back to the Lord, he can use you. That was the end of Samson's life. He came back to the Lord and with his strength brought down the Philistines. Great symbol of evil against God's people. Samson is lessons in how not to do it. But redemption and the power of the cross to bring us back and make us whole and restore us is such a wonderful message. Because all of us have sinned. All of us have blown it big time, one way or another. There's not one of you can say that you haven't blown it. We all have. But Jesus still says, come to me. Let me heal you. Let me put it right. And what killed Jesus on the cross was not the nails in his hands and his feet. He was dying there for all the filth and garbage of our lives. That's what he was paying for. So that if we come to him, we might be forgiven and begin again. Let's talk to him now. Lord Jesus, in your mercy, we pray that you would come and meet us, each one of us. You know where we've been and what we're doing. You know our secret sins. Nothing is hidden from you. And you are holy. And you are righteous. And you are loving. And our great reconciliation with the Father. O oh Lord Jesus, come and move in our hearts. Bring us to a genuine repentance. We're weary of being where we are in the sin that we have. It's taken us further than we wanted to go. Kept us there longer than we wanted to stay. And we've paid a price that we didn't want to pay. And we want to begin again, Lord. To begin again, new and clean and fresh. So we come to you. Forgive us, Lord. 
set our affections so upon yourself and your mercy and your love, who you are, that we're repulsed by what we have been and desire you and to be like you. So from all the bad that we've learned from this man of the Old Testament, make us men and women, Lord, of the new covenant of your grace and power. We pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.